Good morning. Welcome to our service this morning, and um, happy Father's Day to all those fathers. Um, one of the things that I have been just pondering in the last several months is the idea of what legacy or what um, who is our family as, um, well, we're looking forward to having our first child. And I think back onto my past of the things that people say about our family. And then I also think of people in my life who it's been very clear who, you know, what they stood for, who they were as people. So, um, the question I want to ask is, what is your creed? What is your mission statement for your life? And we're going to be continuing our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to look at that a little bit. But before we get into that, I want to think a little bit about that idea. Um, I'm going to just th run through quickly a couple examples of people in my life who I was very clear what they stood for or what their family was. So one example I think of that maybe some of the older people in the congregation would know is the John Oberholtz family who um, made one of the hymnals we use in our community. They were a family who praised God through song. And when they came to your community, your house, I can remember them sitting around a circle, and they were singing. That was who they were. And to this day, if you would run into their children, you would see that. That's who they are. They sing. They're a singing family. Um, and I would assume probably their grandchildren are singing families. Um, another example I think of, maybe a little bit more on a negative stand, um, thought, but not totally, is in my family, going back, my great-grandmother, who I would go over and mow her lawn for, was a somewhat influential person in, our in my life. One of the things she would always say, you could talk, say something negative about the neighbor. Well, he's a drunk. But she would always say, well, yeah, but he's a hard worker. That was a value in her family. And my dad's family, they have lots of problems, but they all are hard workers. They're not a lazy group of people. And at my grandfather's funeral several weeks ago or a month ago, that was something that came out. People, numerous people came and said, you know, you could call Etzel and he would come and, you know, fix this for you or do that for you. That was part of our family legacy. Then I wanted to do something you know, kind of interesting just to see how this works. Um, I've asked Ivan for two examples. Um, and if we would think about a mission statement. So Ivan is part of or works with Good Life Ministries. And I do not know what Good Life Ministries' mission statement is, but I have written down what I think Good Life, mission, Good Life Ministries' mission statement is based on what I know about them, how they go about living their lives. 
And so I am going to read what I think their mission statement is. And I do not know what Ivan is going to say. And he is going to read their mission statement. And we're also going to do the same thing for Choice Books. Um, I'm, so, and I'm curious, those of you who work for Choice Books, how many of you could quote Choice Books' mission statement? Okay, so almost everybody who works at Choice Books knows the mission statement. Um, so, GLM, my thought is to spread the good news of Jesus to all the people of India through children. Ivan? Okay, so I was a little bit off, um, but it is at its core to spread the good news of Jesus. And based on what I know about them, that is primarily through um, spreading the gospel for chil through children and them taking it back into their homes. Um, so that one, again, they say never ask a question you don't know the answer to. So my point kind of derailed here, but hopefully this next one works a little better. My observation of choice books, their mission statement could be, we make the good news of Jesus available to all people through Christian literature. Ivan? Okay. Okay, well, so that one I was a little closer on. So, um, but my point with this is mission statements define who we are. And at some point they become a little bit of chicken and egg um, things because you have to live out your mission statement, but also by having a mission statement, you have something that keeps you centered and grounded, and yet can continue to, um, you know, continue that mission. And so, um, they're very important. But we also have, and we have to verbalize them. We have to continue to say them. So many on the business side of things, one of the things that you do with a mission statement is to read that mission statement. At every staff meeting, you continue to drive that home. Well, one of the things I think as fathers we are called to do is to continue the mission statement for the gospel of Jesus. And ultimately, we, we will set that tone. And so I'm grateful for those in my lives, those fathers, those leaders, those pastors, who instilled the correct mission statement for my life. And I want to today um, just dig into what is the mission statement for, what is the motto, what is the philosophy or gospel that Jesus is, is teaching us. And 
just a couple more examples of that. You know, we have statements like, give me liberty or death by Patrick Henry. That was the mission statement for his life. And again, probably not the right mission statement. I think of a mission statement, Amazon's mission statement is, um, is to be Earth's most customer-centered company, Earth's best employer, and Earth's safest place to work. Did I get that right, Dennis? Okay, so that's a great mission statement for a company, I guess, but it's not the mission statement that I want to live my life by. Um, so I'm just throwing those out there as examples of Things that sound good, and if we let them, could crowd out possibly something that is a higher calling. So today we are going to be kind of backtracking in the Sermon on the Mount, and we are going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. And I want us to be thinking about this in a slightly different way than maybe we usually do when we think about the Lord's Prayer. So before we get to that, I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer, and I'll follow up a little bit more on that. But I want to read the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to be reading it first in Matthew, then I'm going to have a couple things for you to think about, and then we're going to reread it in the Gospel of Luke. So you don't need to turn with me on this. We'll just, um, we all know this passage very well. So, the Lord's Prayer, starting in verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to continue reading in 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So we have in this account Jesus saying to his disciples, this is how you should pray. And I think traditionally this is how we think about this passage. It's kind of a, shall we say, a template for our prayers. And that is not a wrong way to think about it. But I also feel like there's a secondary thing or kind of aspect of this prayer. And Jesus was the greatest teacher of all time. And all teachers know that easily repeated kind of, shall we say, creeds are helpful to driving home things that you want people to remember. And so we can also think about um, this as a creed, a motto, or something for the disciples to have that will keep them centered in why they are here on the earth, what kingdom they are promoting. And this is an idea that permeates Matthew, and it's the idea of God's kingdom on earth, and that God's kingdom on earth is now. 
And that's not something we're actually going to get into and dig into today, but it's a concept that's important to understand, that God's kingdom is here. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but think about it as if a dying father calls his son to him and says, my prayer for you is, and then he goes on and leaves his will for his family, his idea of what his prosperity is going to continue in. And I think of a wonderful example of this earlier in the Bible is in Joshua, and it's a very familiar passage. There's much more of it we could read, but if we... Um, Joshua 24, verses 14 through 15. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you, serve the Lord. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you dwelled. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was the prayer here. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what I would like to propose for today, we take a step back from maybe how we traditionally have thought about the Lord's Prayer as this template for how we should pray but rather think about it as the prayer for how we go about living and pursuing our Christian life. So, for the next 15 minutes or so, I'm planning on not going super long today, so for the next 15 minutes, we want to go through the prayer and kind of unpack it and um, view it through that lens. Before we do that, I do want to turn to Luke and read the Lord's Prayer in Luke, mainly for, for context. And I'm going to start at Luke 11, reading verses 1 through 5, 4. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to him, th them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from, evil, from the evil one. So I'm going to stop there. The main reason that I want to bring this out is it would appear to me in context that this is not the same time as the account in Matthew. So it, and it also could be, I guess, but just reading through the passage, I don't get that from it. So it would appear as if this is something that Jesus is repeatedly instructing his disciples. I feel like if it's recorded twice, he probably said it more than twice. So I think 
it's good to remember, if things are going to impact our lives, there's thing, there are things that are said time and time again. As I said before, Jesus was the greatest teacher. So we need to model our lives after him in how we teach others and repeat the things that are important. So moving into... Moving into the text for today, I want us to look at the first um, several verses, and we start with the introduction, our Father in heaven. So who are we addressing, and, that, and who are we asking for the, these things? And that is our Father in heaven. So, and then what is the driving... Um, shall we say, nut, like what is the, the, you know, the core principle that we, you know, is our mission, is the mission statement? And I'm going to say that the first couple, or the first sentence or so is what I'm going to hone in on. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I thought about this and I was struck by, by the idea that everything else that follows is supporting this statement, that God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And as we think about scriptures as a whole, it's a story of restoration. And we have the first several chapters in, um, you know, about creation, a perfect world, and then it falls. And everything coming forward from that is about God's plan of restoring um, things back to the way they should be and restoration or salvation. And so the prayer of Jesus, or the, the kind of the essence of what you know, Jesus is coming on war earth to do is to create that that pathway toward restoration. And so, bringing God's kingdom to earth and having, um, and having that restoration take place. And I also just want to remind us that we do believe that God's kingdom right now is on earth, and it is happening now. It's not something that will happen future we're not all going to get carried away, and then that will be God's kingdom. That will be God's kingdom. But we are participating in God's kingdom. And so as we think about this, what are three ways? I want to look at three ways or just review three ways that God's kingdom on earth is happening now. So the first one, and what does that restoration look like? And the first area that I want to think about is in our lives, as redeemed children of God. We also know that God's kingdom is here at hand, but we are being sanctified. And so that's part of that restoration. So, um, you know, that's God's kingdom is coming to earth. So we want to be invited to be part of that and continue to strive toward, Lord, sanctify me. And then on earth, we're also commanded to spread the gospel. Um, 
And so another part of God's kingdom continuing to come to earth that we can be a part of is sharing the gospel and having that, um, the good news of God, and then through others accepting that. Um, that's God's kingdom coming to earth. And then finally, probably the part that we need to remember, but may not actually be something that we're actively as involved on, is that God is coming again. And the kingdom of heaven is going to come down, and there's going to be a reckoning in the second coming of, of um, Christ. So I just, not really digging too deeply into that because we simply don't have the time to do that, but be thinking about that in our own lives. And then the rest of the prayer has three key points that I see um, or that I'm going to bring out today that are not necessarily the mission statement, the mission statement being your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but they're key components to how that is going to happen in our lives. And the first one is in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. And I think that this is so much more, this simple statement is so much more than just Lord, provide for our needs. It's an acknowledgement of where those needs come from and the fact that we do nothing in and of ourselves to do that for ourselves. And on so many levels, if we acknowledge this and live this out, this changes the way we touch those around us. Um, we're going to hold loosely to everything that we perceive maybe that we earn. We have not earned it. It is a gift from God, and then it also is going to be handed out just the same. And this is a key tenet of what it means to be a Christian. Jesus is saying, you're not, you're not taking on, you're not saying this is coming from me. You're acknowledging God and you know, you give freely. So our relationship with possessions is something that we have to come to terms with. Secondly, forgiveness. And I actually really thought about doing this whole sermon on these couple verses on forgiveness because when I read through this, I've read through it numerous times, I've just been struck and convicted that this is something that is just key to Christianity and our salvation, is the ability to forgive others. And it's so important that Jesus just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back to it. And then after he has the prayer, he just, he has to remind us again. And so he says in 14 and 15, hey, just coming back to verse 12, for if you can't forgive, your heavenly Father won't forgive you either. And, boy, that's a, that's a hard truth to come back to. And um, I, I won't spend the time reading it, but I was struck in um, just a little homework for you. Um, read through the parable 
in Matthew 18, verses 21 through the end of the chapter. And I'll just read verse 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. Um, it's a sobering reality, but it's also so important to our faith that in this small, short summary of what it means to be a Christian, it was included. So I just want to challenge that. For, um, so just to review, acknowledge where all good things come from and that we do nothing to make those good things happen and we are not owed them. Second, forgiveness. We have to forgive to be um, part to bring God's kingdom to earth. And then finally, our, in verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And I'm sure there's a lot of different ways we could go with that section of the prayer, but the thing that I saw in it was simply our, my need for God to be my Savior and my Deliverer. We need a Savior. We can't do it on our own. And in that, we have to give God his honor and just hand that to him. And I find that sometimes I forget just where that honor and that, that praise needs to be given. And I think as if we do honor God, we will be able to, it'll be much easier for us to, um, to forgive, to do all these other things than if we have that out of place. So in closing, I want to ask you, Whose mission statement have you taken on for your life? Would your children, your neighbors, those who you work with, would they know your drive is to bring God's kingdom to earth? And would they say he's someone who acknowledges that all good things come from God? He's someone who forgives, and he's someone who is asking God to be his Savior, or for Jesus to be his Savior. Or would they have some other mission statement? Would they say his mission statement is to do X, Y, and Z? His mission statement is to be the best hunter in the community, or the best landscaper, or the best ice cream maker. Um, that's a sobering reality for me. And I think it's a sobering reality for most of us. Um, and I just want to leave you with reading the Lord's Prayer one last time. And I would ask you to just think or, and ask the Lord, Lord, make this my mission statement for my life. Would you all stand with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that our church and our congregation would 
focus on you and what you have asked us and commanded us to do. And I pray that our goal would continue to be to that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.